Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. And we are the parents of four kids under the age of six. We know that parenting can be tough, but it's also the most important thing we have ever done. Each week, we'll share stories from our family and discuss what we're learning as we parent in real life. And hopefully, we can learn something from each other along the way. So join us once a week as we laugh about the highs and lows of parenting. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10. Today, we are going to talk about how to raise kind children. Again, this is an aspirational podcast for us. Maybe we could try doing this. Yes, I noticed especially our two-year-old lately has not been very kind. He yells at people. and (laughs) He made a kid cry at Chick-fil-A. And so we thought, maybe this is something we need to look into more, how to raise kind children. But before we get into that, real-life parenting moments. So this one's pretty funny. Um, we were talking about the R sound, like when our kids develop the letter R sound. Because I couldn't say my R's as a kid. Because Alan couldn't. So <laughs> we listened to all of our kids, make sure that they are able to say their R's. And we wanted to see if it had developed in Nathan yet, who is our two-year-old. So I said, hey, Nathan, say red. And he looks at me and he goes, green. And then I said, <laughs> Okay, say green. I mean, it has an R in it, but it's harder to hear. So I was hoping he would say red because I said green, but then he said blue. <laughs> so I said, okay, say blue. And then he said, mom, I already said blue. <laughs> so he's smart. He he's knows sad. that we want a color and he knows the other colors, but he's also a punk. Mm-hmm. I was impressed because I don't think he can like identify colors, but... He knows what colors are. Yeah, he knows the names. He just has a hard time putting the names with the right color. Yeah. Actually, the first color he ever learned was pink. So he would call everything pink, and sometimes he would get it right, but that just goes because of older sisters. Everything's pink. Yes, so many sisters. Um, We actually have a bonus real-life parenting moment today, because today is Daylight Savings, and this is the fall back version, which should be a great thing. Everybody should be so happy. We're falling back. You get an extra hour of sleep. But for those of you who are parents, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who aren't yet, buckle up because everything you loved about daylight savings time is flipped on its head. So in the fall, when you're supposed to get this extra hour of sleep, nobody told your kids. And so even if you keep them up late the night before, at least our kids, they're getting up at the same time time. that they always did. Mm -hmm. And our kids, maybe because we talk about it and complain about it so much, they, (laughs) they like can sense it. And so Jack, no joke, woke up at five o'clock the old time, which is four o'clock in the new time. And just wide awake. Like we, Alexis fed him, I held him, we did everything we could, he was not going back to sleep. He developed a cold throughout the night. Like, every time he woke up, he was stuffier and stuffier. So, of course, on daylight savings time, he would develop a cold during the night and wake up at 4 a.m. And he did. So we lost that hour of sleep we were supposed to gain, plus an extra hour. So we lost two hours of sleep. Worst ever. And in spring forward, we were supposed to lose an hour. Somehow, miraculously, our children still wake up at the exact same time, even though the hours have changed. It's yeah. the strangest thing. Yeah. Multiple times. It kills us. Yeah. It's bad. There's no winning. I hate you, Benjamin Franklin. 
<laughs> I just thought we, we'd be done with it. Like, whatever pros that used to come from it, they don't really exist anymore. I think we should just be done. Let's follow Arizona's lead and just be rid of daylight savings time. Absolutely. We also wanted to take a minute and go over the feedback and comments that we got on my Instagram profile at Learn As We Go. So... Each time we do a podcast, I post a picture on Instagram about the podcast and ask a question. We would love for you to comment on our podcast and the question that we asked. This one was about uh, managing and preventing toddler tantrums. So this is the response we got about that. Um, Inspired Family of Five said, these are her thoughts. Sometimes parents put too much emphasis on covering up a public tantrum, fearing humiliation. I ignore my kids if they throw a tantrum, and in public I laugh it off and smile on unlooking people without a care in the world. It happens to everyone, no worries. I've learned that my kids only throw tantrums for a short while in their lives, and as soon as they realize, I just don't respond, and they don't continue. And I like that, because it is true, like, you know, tantrums, they're going to happen, but there's going to, it's a season and the, the tantrums will end, you know? So if you yep. can have that patience and ignore them, eventually they won't throw tantrums anymore. I like this person. Yeah. Right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. Another one, Rachel Watson Fitness said, I listened to your podcast and I liked most of it. The one part that I thought came off wrong to me was other parents judging you instead of the child. My thoughts, don't worry about other people. Who cares who is watching and who cares what they think? Make sure your child is safe. And if you happen to start melting down along with them, that's okay too. You are human. Keeping your cool will not happen all the time. I had a mini mommy meltdown one time, and another mom looked at me and said, I've had one of those days too. That one line helped me more than staring and people saying, somebody is tired. You think? Are they referring to me or the kid? Parents need to unite and relate, not sit there and be judgy, judgy pants. I love this. So true. (laughs) And if we made it sound like... You should worry about what people are thinking. We didn't. And I know we, you know, referenced that study that people are watching the parents. But to Rachel's point, like, who cares? Like, you're a parent, and parenting's hard, and sometimes you don't keep it together. You know, I lose my cool, and we all do. I think no parent has always kept their cool. So, amen. Thank you for bringing that up, because I totally agree. I think the point of the article, what it was trying to say is that if you are afraid that your kids are going to throw a tantrum and that's preventing you from going out, that that shouldn't be the reason that you're not going out because kids throw tantrums. Yep. I think that's what it was trying to say. All right. So on to the discussion of the day. Um, we kind of already told you what the topic is, but first we wanted to start out with this question, but we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this question. This is going to be our uh, social media Question of the week. So what do you think are the most important values we are trying to teach our children or you are trying to teach your children? What do you think? You know, that's hard. I was thinking about this and like, you know, who do we want our children to become? We picture them as adults. Like what type of people do you want them to be? Kindness is definitely on this list, which, you know, which is why we're going to discuss this today. We want them to be generous, loving, uh, a good companion, loyal. Hardworking. Uh, yeah, hardworking is definitely a big one. Selfless, compassionate, mm-hmm. considerate. Ooh, that's a big one for me. And respectful. I hate, my, I hate my kids are sassy. Yeah. I think respectful to adults. We've been talking about that one a yeah. lot lately. Yeah, for sure. But I, I think this would be a really interesting list. So give us your top three or five or however many you want to give. We'd love to hear everybody's thoughts and kind of compare. Because it's interesting. I know for me, like parenting isn't always deliberate you know you just kind of like hope you're doing a good job but like it's kind of ambiguous as to what a good job is i think this question kind of was like well yeah really what do i want them 
to achieve at the end of the day. And for us, kindness is certainly on the list. We want kids that are nice. I think some of these things that you hope that your child will be, some of them are natural to those individual children. Yeah. Like already I can tell um, Chloe, she has a natural charitable personality. Mm-hmm. Like she's one of our most giving children and she she just does it on her own. It's something we taught her and I can tell that that's going to be something that as an adult she'll continue to do. Yeah. You know. I was once interviewed. I was uh, thinking of getting a job teaching high school kids. And the person interviewing me, I still feel like it was probably a tr- trick question. It's why I didn't get the job. But um, <laughs> he asked me, We, for some reason, like the he brought up the fact of like nature versus nurture. And he kind of implied like there's only so much you can do. You know, like kids are kind of born the way they are and you can't do that much. And because it was an interview setting, I was kind of like, Haha, yeah, okay. Um, and so I agreed with him and I've felt bad that I agreed with him ever since, because while I definitely agree that there's some, um, nature to all of these things, you know, like some kids are going to be, all kids have their own traits that they're naturally one way or another, but all of us can also learn things. We're not just the way we were born and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, like that upsets the heck out of me. So, um, I definitely disagree with that. I think we can learn to be better than we were born. Um, so there's a nature and a nurture component, and we're going to talk ha- about how you can nurture this in your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, some are going to have it automatically. Some are not going to have it at all, and that that's fine. We recognize that there's different starting points, but regardless of the starting point, I think it's still valuable to talk about what you can do to try and help them develop this. So the article that we're going to be talking about today, they referenced a study that was done by Harvard, Um, They interviewed 10,000 U.S. middle school and high schoolers between 2013 and 2014. So it's a pretty recent study. They said 80% of those kids reported that their parents taught them that personal happiness and high achievement was more important than caring for others. So in the article, they have like this little chart and they kind of show they they just had those those three things. It was caring, personal achievement, and personal happiness. And they asked them, you know, which their parents was thought the most important. So 19% of the people said that caring was their parents' top priority. 54% said that achievement was the most important to their parents. And 27% reported that happiness was most important to their parents. And this is really interesting because this isn't like what parents sit down and teach their kids. This is just what kids perceive, Mm -hmm. you know? And and I could definitely see how a lot of kids would not. Because how often do you talk to your kids about being caring, you know? But you would talk to them um, a lot about their grades yeah. and You know, like, are they doing their best in school? And some, I'm going to call them hippie parents, but I had some friends whose parents were just like, yeah, whatever, you know, like, school doesn't matter. Like, just have fun. I hope you're Apparently about 27% of parents <laughs> are that way. Um, where it's like, they just downplay the school and stuff, but talk up the... Um, happiness the happiness personal happiness so yeah it's interesting so the article said that basically it summed up to this stat that kids were three times more likely to agree than disagree with the following statement my parents are prouder if i get good grades in my classes than if i'm a caring community member in class and school so to respond to this the harvard researchers came up with four techniques for raising a caring and ethical child So their first technique is practice makes perfect. So kids need an opportunity to practice becoming caring and helpful um, because these qualities aren't necessarily something that they naturally 
naturally have. So they said this is something we need to do daily. And that guidance from their parents and other adults are really important. So these can be simple things like helping around the house or helping a friend or visiting an elderly person. Like Mm -hmm. There's lots of smaller things that you can do um, every day or a few times a week, you know, to help your child be more caring. And, I mean, we're going to get into this more because I think it's the second and or third thing, but... This is going to require you to be a kind person. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. If that's new to you, then um, you're new to parenting. If you expect your kids to be something, then you're going to have to be that too. And it's definitely true in this. If they never see you out serving other people or, you know, doing other things like that, then they're not going to buy it when you tell them to be. So now that Thanksgiving is around the corner and Christmas, you know, we talk about gratitude a lot around this time of year, and I think people try to do more service at Christmas time. So this is a great time to start implementing this. There's lots of service activities and service ideas. I just listened to a podcast. uh, It's called Extraordinary Moms, and she gave a suggestion about a program called Give With Thanks Challenge, and it was found on thesmallseed.com. So you can find uh, the information there from last year because they usually do it in November, but this year they're actually going to do it in December. So they have the activities from November still on the website. And they have a service calendar and they have a big tree printout that you can put a leaf up for every time you do service. And they give you lots of ideas. I think sometimes it's hard to think of what service opportunities to do. But I love that these are pretty simple things. Like Some of them that they had on there were send a letter to someone or take goodies to a friend Or pay for a person behind you in line. I actually saw someone do this the other day, and I thought that was fun. Yeah, I was like, oh, someone, you know, paid for someone in front of them. They didn't have enough money. Or leave a note for the mail carrier or help someone unload their groceries. So it's a lot of things that only take a few minutes, but it's something you have to think about and actively do. So this year, um, the reason that the small seed isn't doing the activity in November, they're doing it in December because there's a big service project that's going to be happening happening in December that's sponsored by the LDS Church. And they're going to have a service activity every day, and lots of bloggers are going to be involved in this, and a lot of they're just encouraging people to serve all during Christmas. So you can definitely get involved in that as well. Yep. The next thing they talked about is kids need to learn to zoom in and out. And if that's confusing, then read the paragraph because <laughs> it gets worse. Essentially, after I read this several times, I think the idea is that you have to get your kids to think beyond themselves. Um, And beyond their social circles. Yeah. Yeah. They need to like, they need to be empathic, right? So they need to think about situations that they maybe haven't thought about before. So I don't know if that was your example or their example, but um, the school custodian, you know, like why not litter all over the school? Unless you realize, oh, there's somebody that has to clean this up. And, you know, like the school custodian doesn't like to clean up after you. So just recognizing that there's other people or, you know, a new kid in class or a new kid in your neighborhood that maybe doesn't have friends. Help point those situations out and help them see like, hey, this is affecting somebody else that you may not have considered. Because all of us are guilty of this, but especially kids, you know, they they have no context or no reason to think beyond themselves and so you know we don't want to do this because somebody's going to have to clean this up or somebody's going to be affected by this that they may not have considered is is key to helping them develop kindness (laughs) helping them be kind 
I'm pretty sure I learned something about that in my early childhood development classes is that children, when they're young, the world is centered around themselves. Like that's just a natural thing that they think the world revolves around them. And so it's our job as parents to show them that that isn't true. Or help them learn to zoom in and out. <laughs> worthless. <laughs> you, yeah. No. <Nope>. Worthless. <laughs> Number three is strong moral role models are key. And simply put, this means that parents need to practice what they preach. And, you know, as Alan had mentioned before, you have to be, as a parent, also be doing service activities or and make sure that the people you associate with are doing these type of things too. Because it could be, you know, aunts and uncles. It could be your friends, you know, mm-hmm. doing other service activities that your your children can be witnesses of. Yeah. Yeah, my mom and dad were both great at this. Not that they had time to serve all the time. But my dad would go and visit some of the widows in our neighborhood, and um, he would take some of us along sometimes, not all of us, because it would be overwhelming for them, but he would take one of us along, and uh, my mom would sometimes take food when people were sick, and she'd say, come on, Alan, you're helping me, you know, and I would be carrying the food, and, and I hated it, but it taught me, like, you know, this is an important thing to do, and so even if your kids push back, I think it's important to at least let them see service, even if you can't get them to necessarily do service. <laughs> yeah, I remember when, I don't remember this actually happening, um, but I remember my parents talking about it. My dad, he had ACL surgery um, when I was a teenager, and a friend of ours came over and mowed the lawn for him. And, you know, that was just, that was a service that he was able to, so that affected our family, you know, and we saw kindness of others. So I think it's important, too, that when your family is served, that you recognize that and tell your kids about it. Like, oh, somebody helped us. Yeah. I want to pause right here, because they don't talk about this, but I think, and if this isn't you, just disregard the next couple minutes, but... (laughs) I think that um, organized religion has taken such a beating in the last several years as being judgmental and essentially a lot of people just don't see any value in organized religion. But I think this is a huge advantage of organized religion that um, every organized religion I can think of, at least the, the main ones, have stories of people that exemplify these good behaviors. And I think sometimes it's nice to be able to talk about something outside of you know your immediate surroundings to give your kids role models um you know you can try and force yourself on your kids as a role model as much as you can but i think for me growing up like i thought of the people in the scriptures you know whether it was we have lots of heroes in the scriptures but whether it was christ or um the apostles or daniel or you know all these people that were good examples of being kind and all these other things i think it's I think that's one of the things that we lose when we take away um, religion is now it's like, okay, now your role models are all, they're all real. (laughs) Uh, Like they're all right around you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like your parents are your role models, but you also get to see all the, you know, the mistakes they make. And so it's nice to have these like people in scripture that probably weren't perfect, but kind of the account we have of them is essentially, you know, pretty, pretty perfect. So you can have these role models that you want to be like. Yeah, I love that. And the final technique is children need to be guided in managing destructive feelings. 
So kids struggle to care for others when they're overwhelmed by feelings like anger or envy. And I think for adults too, um, depression or, you know, feeling sad about your surroundings and, you know, kind of what your, your lot in life is right now, that gets in the way of service. And so I think, you know, when we serve, we feel good about ourselves. And I think that's something that we should point out to our kids is, you know, like as they grumble when they're serving, recognize afterwards, help them see that. How do you feel now? It's over. How do you feel about what you just did? And I think they'll see that they do feel good and that will help them kind of get over the envy of other people around them, Mm -hmm. you know, and what they have and, and what they don't have individually. Yeah. This is like the, the great catch 22 is that the service, like even as an adult, I think it's always hard to like start but once you're there, it, once you get past the point where you're grumpy about it, it's always such a good experience, you know, almost without fail. It just feels good to get out of yourself and think about somebody else's problems for a while and, and try and help them with their problems. And so it almost always leaves you feeling better than you started. I think this is definitely a process too. You know, it's yeah. not going to be an instant, like you go serve and all of a sudden your kids want to serve all the time. I feel amazing. <laughs> Let's serve every day. No, we know that's not going to happen. This is going to take years and years of practice and helping your kids. And hopefully as they become adults, and if you're lucky teenagers (laughs) who want to (laughs) serve, I think most likely more as adults that you will find that now that they are grown and on their own, hopefully they'll be caring people and Mm -hmm. find ways to serve others. Yeah. So to wrap up, um, the four big things it talks about is practice makes perfect. Give your kids easy opportunities to be kind, set them up for success, and then help them see a bigger perspective, help them see other people's point of view and why it's important to be kind, even to, you know, in to people and in ways they wouldn't think of on their own. Then give them strong moral role models, whether that's people in history or in scripture or you or neighbors or whatever it is. Give them people to look to that are being kind. And then help them manage uh, destructive feelings. Help them realize that it it is rewarding to be kind. And so once again, our social media question that will be up on uh, Alexis's Instagram at learn as we go is what are the top three to five to however many traits you hope your child will possess and why I hope a lot of you respond. I think it'll be fun to compare everybody's responses and I think it's a valuable exercise just to think about like, what do you, if you could pick a few traits, what are the most important things to you? love that so as alan said you can answer that question on instagram you can follow me at learn as we go you can also tweet us um these traits or any comments that you might have you can find me at alexis tanner one and i'm at alan t tanner and you can check us out on alexis's website which is learnaswego.org or email us at parenting in real life podcast at gmail.com And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And please, oh please, give us a rating. Helps other people find us. And, as always, a special thanks to our four kids for being kids. Our kids are being so loud right now. Um, Get them through the vent. They're coming up through the vent.